Now that's a parking spot. Introducing the I may have underestimated the size of my car policy with accident forgiveness from American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote. Find an agent. Visit AmFam.com. Optional policy features not included in base policies. Review policy for coverages and exclusions. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. In Hindu mythology, there was a demon called Raktabija who fought with Shumba and Nishumba against Goddess Parvati and Goddess Kali. Raktabija had a boon that wherever a drop of his blood fell on the ground, a duplicate Raktabija would be born at that spot. If this story has to be told in today's context, I would loosely draw a parallel like this. Every action of humans have landed us in some new problems. This has been especially seen in the design world. iPhone makers have polluted China. Facebook has tampered with democracy. Twitter is a hate-spreading structure. Voice-enabled devices are spying your living rooms, conversations, and many more. Having said that, these problems are still to an extent first-world problems. Uh, design in India, where it is actually required, is doing more harm in unimaginable ways. To discuss this in detail and understand design as a continuum, today I have Dr. Naveen Bagalkot with us on AudioGam. For Naveen, design is not mere a means to an end, but a means of inquiry and exploration of the nuances of human behavior and experience. Naveen holds a PhD in Interaction Design from IT University of Copenhagen, Denmark, a Master's in Design in Industrial Design from IIT Mumbai, and Bachelor of Architecture from Vishweshwaraya Technological University, India. Currently, Naveen teaches at Srishti School of Arts in, uh, in Bangalore. His research is within the field of human-computer interaction and user experience design. Today, we'll try and understand his views on design and designing in particular. Uh, so, thank you, Naveen, uh, for giving your time and, and it's a real honor to have you on audio again. Thank you so much, Keda, for making me part of this. Yeah. Uh, so, as uh, the introduction was there and I wanted to understand two, three aspects of it, uh, mainly it's design as a continuum, if it's an ongoing process, uh, what are your thoughts and uh, uh, whatever briefly uh, and uh, whatever I've read about your articles and stuff that you have given uh, as talks in some other places online as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I uh, what I sense is that you you firmly believe that design is an ongoing process. So right. if you can start with like, what's your definition of design? Uh, I mean, it's a cliche question, but mm-hmm. where you come from, it it looks. Uh, I'm hoping for a different perspective. And were there any milestones? Uh, uh, where you realize that, yes, now this is an ongoing process, so the definition has evolved over time. Yeah, no, yeah, uh, for sure. I think uh, 
uh, it is a cliched question, isn't it? But I, it, it has a lot of value. I remember when I was uh, the RA or a TA at IDCIT Bombay under Professor Munshi, he, uh, one of the tasks he gave me was to Google uh, definitions of design uh, because it was a larger part of his project of uh, trying to compile a booklet about definitions of design that is out there. So uh, we think it's mundane, but it's very important. And it, you'd be surprised how many definitions are out there about design. And I usually start my classes with asking this question about what is design. Um, to be very honest, when I was in architecture, I think uh, I thought about design uh, as something that is conceptually strong, that is related to space making, that is uh, sort of this uh, notion of a cold work notion of architect and, and design as, as something that is pure, something that is powerful, uh, but led by one person. Uh, then, then you know, kind of IDC mellowed me down, and and the notion of design as as something uh, as a as a creative problem solving started to get crystallized in 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 my practice and in my uh, mind that design is a an approach of creative problem solving. There are other approaches uh, like engineering, but design has its own way of uh, solving and approaching and solving problems, which is. Design is very good at working with both uh, the problem space, so to speak, and, as well as the solution space. By that, I mean, what I mean is we uh, designers uh, are not necessarily have to define the problem in such specificity that the solution is very obvious, uh, which is what, uh, for example, Herbert Simon talks about uh, in his book, The Sciences of Artificial. That's how it defines design, which is kind of, you can see it, um, working in the engineering world of design where the problem is very well specified but design as such is uh, it works with uh, what is known as wicked problems or ill-defined problems problem space that are not a, not a begin to define and design uh, starts to define this by uh, uh, by proposing solutions by working with solutions or ideas and uh, and proposition so the focus is proposing alternatives um but um uh, when when i came and this is this is something that got crystallized when i was doing my phd because it gave me an opportunity to understand deeper about design and and what is design what is so unique about design as an approach uh, to life um especially as an approach to produce uh, some new knowledge um so this became clear to me but as i came out of the academic uh, sort of the the world of PhD and came back to India, I started uh, working with uh, Shristi Labs, uh, which was part of Shristi uh, school back then. And the lab was oriented, the main focus of the lab was to kind of consult with organizations, uh, corporates mostly, to do front-end design sort of work. Um, I didn't mm. uh, necessarily work on any corporate project. My, my agenda was to get in more research grants in and, and get more research projects in. Uh, which didn't really happen for various reasons. Uh, but I started working with a lot of not-for-profits or a couple of not-for-profits because they, when when not-for-profits come to design, they usually come with, hey, you know, we, we are doing so much of work, but we, we don't have any um, abilities to communicate what we're doing. Can you help us with designing communication materials like posters, videos, etc.? So... Um, and this is this is for me was sort of a milestone. So one one organization that I started working with was Maya Health, and they're based out of Bangalore, and they work with um, 
women, uh, they train women in uh, Chenpatna and now also in Ramnagara to be sort of um, community health workers, but in a micro entrepreneurial manner. So they they enable these um, women to be also sort of uh, entrepreneurs in a way, way that they offer these um, healthcare services to the community and earn a sort of living. Right now, um, uh, the women are earning about 3,000 to 5,000 rupees per month by offering nutritional help, um, counseling, uh, help with weight management and data data uh, management for people with diabetes and hypertension in the communities. Um, so I started, um, so they initially came to for me to help them with designing uh, communication materials for the uh, health workers. They call them as health navigators so that they can... Um, they can convince the, the neighborhood uh, community to take their services. But multiple discussions with them, what came to me uh, uh, and with Alex, who, who heads my health, it became clear that maybe what would be interesting and what would be more relevant is uh, if the health workers, because they are being framed and they are being imagined and trained as um, health you know, micro-entrepreneurs, they may need also some abilities of design thinking. Um, which is then ties back to uh, some a couple of projects that I was tangentially be a part of in uh, my PhD during my PhD uh, with the Danish Design School, um, mm. and there's a group, uh, Professor Thomas Bender and Eva Brand. They led a they lead a group called as Design Anthropology, and they do a lot of participatory co-design. And they they have this particular project was with the uh, City Municipal Corporation of Copenhagen and the Waste Collectors. And the project was basically about how do we enable the waste collectors uh, across their hierarchy and the neighborhoods to continue to be innovative after the design project. So it's not that designers come in, they see the problem and they they suggest solutions and it is implemented, but it is about enabling a platform for the health, uh, the the waste collectors and the people of the neighborhood and the communities to continuously innovate uh, about their waste and how they better manage their waste. So the design output was, I mean, the design process was to facilitate more interactions and to kind of enable people to come together and and, and literally imagine alternative possibilities and and design an output which, which came out as a toolkit so that uh, this will continue over time. This was very inspirational for me. So then I tried to look at it uh, in the in the context of Chen Patna. Uh, we did a project with uh, about fourteen health workers uh, and six of my students, um, and um, we started looking at it as then as a process where we all as as a group we will go through uh, uh, like a need framing to uh, concept development kind of a process of design uh, and. Uh, and then learn uh, how to do design, how to think about through design, uh, and how to propose alternatives as a group. Uh, so it was a, it was literally in my studio in the in the field, and no design activity happened back in the college. Um, uh, through the and then we came out with a lot of uh, videos and tools and templates for the health workers to continue to use them in 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 their work as as the project gets over. So this for me was an experiment which actually quite badly failed um, because uh, the the notion that uh, that we have practicing designers 
um, is that design is is a process that can be applied in a way where you find out problems, you try to research where the problem is, you unpack, you synthesize, and you kind of propose multiple solutions and you iterate. It's 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 a it's a process that that takes its time and it evolves over time, but. Whereas the health workers, they have an alternative mode of design uh, because their need to solve problem is very rapid. Uh, it, it is here and now. And they don't have the liberty to think long term, you know, hmm. uh, because they have, they, they, they have there's so much of workload. They have to manage their homes, their, their children, their husbands, you know, their joint families, as well as do manage about, uh, you know, this work for about 300 households uh, per month. So that here and now the day-to-day work is itself creative for them uh, and they don't have the liberty or the luxury to think about longer term. So this, and through then I've been working with multiple other, um, couple of other organizations where I start thinking then about, so when we remove design from uh, a mode of, uh, its historic uh, position was always been part of an uh, industrial uh, development sort of a a capitalist world where design was to help producers uh, uh, design goods and products uh, that can be sold at a scale. When we remove when we remove that and we locate it in uh, in sites and contexts where it is local, where it is not about scaling, where it is about care and 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 collaboration over time, then it needs then design needs to be reframed. Right. So uh, one of the things then my uh, that has evolved is that then design needs to continuously evolve, you know, uh, because. Uh, OK, now I'll, I'll circle back a bit to this, but I'll get, mm. get a, take a detour here. Yeah. One of the other things that I've been interested in is this notion of um, the the distinction that we hold between design and use as two different uh, things, you know. Um, we design and somebody else's use, um, but but if you look at it, nothing is used as it is designed. A lot of it, lot of work goes by the users to make that product usable for them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some products are more open to be used. Some products like iPhones are very close, but still, there's a lot that goes that the user has to do to make a phone work. Um, and I've been using my iPhone, um, I guess, 5S since 2015 and still kind of getting the juice out of it because I don't want to buy a new phone. And there's this whole sort of alternative market out there which will help me to uh, survive with this iPhone, with the you know battery replacement and this and that. And there's so many, even though it is supposed to be locked in, right? So, I mean... There are various names to this. There's this name of repair economy, there's name of Jugard economy and all that. But I think what is important is the notion of use and maintenance is understudied in design and under-considered. So, um, and, and I uh, would position that uh, using is also designing because they are actively making changes in their material environment to continue to have a better life. So... Mm. So then, then the, the which also then it, if you look at it, then it is a continuum between design and use, and and then it, there is a a continuous iteration that 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 is bound to happen, that has to happen, that is happening right now, but it is not happening, uh, it is happening in a very skewed way, right? Mm. Uh, or are we not acknowledging it enough? Uh, it's happening, but we are not acknowledging it, uh, or 
compartmentalizing in 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 the bucket of design yeah yeah that's true uh, mm. sometimes you know uh, when i discuss this my students come back with example of instagram and i'm not on instagram i think i have a profile but i don't use it uh, no. where instagram has been uh, looking at patterns of usage and uh, and then making specific sort of instagram for people let's say who have a product to sell or who have a service to sell or something like that because they looked mm-hmm. at how they use instagram and they're kind of customizing it now that's one way of acknowledging but it still doesn't kind of uh, put the fo- it's it is i think it's whatever lead user design and uh, that kind of an approach but it still doesn't put the fo- you still call them as users you still you still don't call them as producers you still don't call them as designers and and that's where so it is it, it is a political stance that i'm taking that when it comes to, for example, the Chenpatna project, uh, the way the, the the health workers have then gone forward is they use the toolkit of the day in a life um, and they use it actively in their uh, day-to-day communication with people around because that this they have appropriated that uh, day in a life template as a way to gain trust, um, enable the community to gain trust in them because uh, it's a simple template where they map the day in the life of the person that they are talking to but it becomes visual they they make notes and they they draw out visually so the community uh, feels that somebody is taking interest in their in their life so it beca- they have appropriated this uh, you know very typical human centered design template for their own use and for me that's that's design so um and now we are we are discussing about how do we enable the health workers with the data infrastructure so that it become digitally they are, they, they they have tablets they have some couple of softwares that they use to collect data but a lot of time what happens is they uh, they they don't have tools to engage with that data and make sense of it they would rather sit with paper to do it so the question again is how do we enable so that they can continuously engage with data but this requires Again, an approach, I, I believe, where the design has to happen in the site and it has to happen continuously over years so that some stratification can happen, some sort of a system comes into place over years. And that's what I mean by continuous process. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to gra- grapple the idea, but maybe we can explore that in, in the further question. So yeah. if you can illustrate... Uh, like what sort of process is uh, designing? Uh, I mean, since you said that it should happen at the site, then is it like a linear progression? Is it cyclical? Because mm. these are the two ones which which uh, are typically taught in a design school or yeah, at yeah. least I am familiar with. Yeah. So And also then there are these certain um, uh, more economic or capitalist type uh, approaches where you put a structure or put a form, uh, say like a top-down or mm, it, it, mm, it, mm. it is accepted in the masses in the form of a tree structure, mm, uh, mm. or sometimes it's bottom up. So, mm. like, what how, any pattern that you see in this particular process of uh, continuous evolving? Yeah, so, uh, okay. So, my favorite uh, metaphor or drawing as such is um, uh, Bill, uh, Bill Buxton has a drawing about uh, sketching. Okay, um, he, it's basically, he's, he talks about, uh, this is like a tree, uh, mm. which, uh, which is horizontal. Okay, uh, it's not, okay. it's, it's not vertical, it's not uh, top down, it's not like a bottom up, it's, it's horizontal. Uh, mm. You start with maybe one or two uh, points, and then it branches out into multiple branches. 
and it, mm. it, it never it i mean the diagram starts but you can see that each of those bran- each of those points have can branch out further for me mm. that uh, metaphorically and visually captures what i mean by design as a, as a continual process you know by that what i mean is that um, let's say so i'll, I'll just give, again elaborate on the work that i've been doing with maya as an example of what it what i mean sure so and i'll try to compare it with a more traditional design approach you know so a traditional design approach and this is of course i'm kind of painting a broad brush uh but broadly if let's say if maya uh, comes to me uh, as a as I'm, a, I'm a designer or design educator uh, consulting whatever and they ask me to do um uh, communication material design but i we go out and then we realize that what is more important is to equip the health workers with uh, these abilities or give them some training in design thinking and i do it and i produce a template a toolkit and that's about it Right? that that completes a project that is well quantified mm. and a deliverables are, are driven and it is well packaged but but fortunately the my relationship with my has never been about a client relationship it's not that i, I they paid me or anything it's it's a it's a joint sort of collaboration that we have been exploring Be, and because of that i believe that our relationship didn't stop there uh over the years maya has given me opportunities to take my students to learn in the field of what it means to do design in the field what what healthcare is uh, to get a glimpse of what healthcare how healthcare is being uh, sort of changed in the uh, at the grassroots level and for maya it has been my design students have been bringing in new design ideas new uh, ways of doing uh, participatory engagement with communities one of my students actually did um, a final project with them where they he through participatory design uh, helped them uh, imagine and and produce new services for preventive healthcare that they still uh, kind of continue a couple of other students uh, then over time did a summer internship with them where they made uh, information and communication materials for malnutrition which in some form the health workers are using it to engage with the communities and the neighborhoods in uh, mm. in return um, maya has been my go to partner if i have to if i'm getting a grant to do for example some sort of research based project for example i we just or last last year and have we completed a research project funded by the the uh, mrc medical research council of uk to look at what are the ways in which pregnancy care happens at uh, in in households and what is the interest um, experiences of pregnant women with the care infrastructure and this again uh, uh, was uh, maya when we discussed this they said they will be very interested to uh, be part of this because they may think of offering some services uh, for pregnancy care their health workers health uh, workers may get more interest in this so uh, we we then actually core part of the project was also enabling health uh, workers to do research in in the way mm-hmm. that is counted as research not that they don't do research but in terms of in terms of capability internationally what is research how do you go about do qualitative interviews uh, do participatory sessions uh, look at the data and use it so these are some of the kind of capabilities that also where we attempted to transfer it to some of them so it was an attempt to do uh, that as evolving is a sort of a, a more sort of participatory 
uh, or rather a collaborative approach where we are not sure what where the problem is coming from it is not defined but we together define and as and when problems come we we see what we can do given our resources right hmm. uh, right now um, they uh, have uh, asked me in and and the other thing is yeah so i'm also part of a collective called as design beku which is founded by my very good friend padmini remule and it's a collective uh, where we uh, for example we are now uh, one of the things that we are working with maya and others is to produce a, a simple uh, very rooted um, information and communication materials like animations gifs and videos to uh, to uh, talk about uh, covid and and how do we safe how do we keep ourselves safe in during covid Correct. so so for me then if when i step back and look at all this 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 is not possible in a traditional design setup where each and everything has to be quantified because it has to be built you know Uh, and i'm not saying that uh, and this is where the reality hits and till now it was it was i think uh, easier for me to do this in an academic setup because i'm being paid for in in many ways i'm still um, you know pretty much a part of shristi uh, now we are shristi manipal institute uh, starting this year a part of the mahe group but mm-hmm. uh, but for me design beku then becomes a space to experiment where uh, the questions about oh you're doing it in academic setup what about real world setup you know so how does a design collective then uh, survive as well as uh, make ends meet as well as reimagine design uh, as a continual process and not be part of this one project quantified give me a client relationship that's mm-hmm. an ongoing experiment but i'm just kind of saying that i'm excited to take these things forward now um, and move them beyond the quote unquote ivory tower academic spaces to more real world design setups correct no but uh, then since uh, you are collaboratively and it's like a participatory exercise so then when do you stop designing i mean does it ever stop the the or are there any milestones which you decide after which you are confident that you have solved a particular problem or i i want to just understand how does no, that so, work no that's a very good question because it comes back to responsibility right so if uh, for example now the trickiest bit to figure out is uh, de- a designer when they design something they ought to take responsibility for that design but when we okay. are doing this kind of a process where does the responsibility lie right so my answer mm. to that has been that when we have three uh, you know different sort of people working on something together uh, the responsibility is is kind of transferred to people who own it which will be people who will be uh, working with it over time and the designer here then and and i'm i'm putting designer as a as a sing, not as a singular figure but as a as a set of people right as a set of mm-hmm. people who come in who may come in and go but there's a there's a continuity of design that happens it could also mm-hmm. be people in the in the in the location it need not be somebody trained in design but but there is always a set of people who will take the responsibility of designing and that is what we we have to set up and that i call as infrastructuring so it's about creating an infrastructure for design to happen over time irrespective of if there's a trained designer or not in fact sometimes there need not be a trained designer you know so mm-hmm. then uh, for then within so then the notion of what 
is a milestone and how do we chunk it can be held within that small uh, you know space so for example if we can imagine uh, that like, like let's say uh, the there are about 40 35 health workers in chenpatnam and about 40 health workers in ramnagar and let's say each of these health workers have one design cell where three or four of them uh, work also as designers for for those 35 and then one more design cell uh, there and they are somehow connected so there you know then the idea is that they chunk it into smaller projects it's not it, then it becomes a sort of a social and a technical infrastructure that we enable it's very similar to let's say a maker space but a maker space is something where you just make but here you be look at maker space but also with a notion of uh, change that people um, for example health workers start tinkering and working with their own communities to see how they can bring about more positive change hmm it's quite interesting i think uh, i have little bit of more context because i've seen couple of videos online maybe like uh, uh the listeners can just poke around certain more articles which you have published and then come back to this but uh, then on that note uh, i want to ask like then then in this process uh, i'm sure there must be some sort of a negative side to it as well because it's a very lengthy process or there's too much commitment or the the infrastructure may or may not or necessarily have that sort of a documentation so that a new uh, in a in a traditional way a new designer enters and has to understand a lot of context right yeah, yeah. so uh, so uh, like I, i would like to just quote thomas sowell's uh, like he obviously the economist and a political writer but uh, he mentioned that there are no solutions there are only trade offs <laughs> uh, to which i have been which i have been like uh, living for a very long time and right. just trying to see uh, how much less trade offs or how much how less the impact can be uh, in terms of the negative side so in this process uh, as a continuum uh, what are the few parameters uh on based based on which you decide to live with those trade offs uh, which one in one case which i found out that maybe documentation could be missing or yeah. the learning curve for a new entrant would be slightly bigger yeah so yeah so so the, for me uh, the trade offs as such have is is uh, more uh, in from the design trained quote unquote trained design side you know as you rightly mentioned uh there's hardly a uh, space for documentation there's always a uh, room every everybody then has to in, immerse themselves in the field which i mean in the, the context of maya i've been trying to solve it by uh, i can demand students to uh, document it as part of their assignment and those are being helpful but yes definitely there needs to be a structure to this and and uh, as part of infrastructuring there needs to be some sort of a, a clear uh, process um uh, in in ways that this is uh, rightly documented so that people can come in and go as such uh, and this is something that akshay rumta um, he is another friend and who 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 works who has another collective in in mumbai called as ulai labs o o l i labs he has done pretty good of doing this kind of documentation um, and transferability and he talks about it as scaling out and not scaling up he has a very interesting idea about scale uh, in social sector um but i think i think the larger kind of uh trade off or challenges rather would be um from the impact side 
what I mean mm-hmm. by that is that there is definitely a lot of value in um, this kind of approach at the field. And it is the value is immediate. You can see it. Uh, within uh, six months, you can see that the con- uh, the way that you have worked with health workers and what they have produced is valuable to them because they have produced it. They believe in it and they will take it forward. And you will you kind of weave in and out if they need mentoring. And then you have your students going there and you can see the value they bring uh, and both. So the learning is also for the students and there's value to the community too. And that's why it goes back and forth. But the, the challenge to this is when it comes to, uh, because if there is no economic model right now that that enables uh, to sustain this. If you look at research funding, uh, research funding doesn't, there's no framework right now that, that can fund research that looks at uh, researching into this mode of designing, this kind of participatory infrastructuring mode so that we can generate more uh, experimental platforms like this. There are existing uh, such funding in, in Europe, uh, for example, but not in India. Uh, if you look at... Um, so research is mostly go out there, get data and publish it kind of a research funding. So we have to appropriate it into our own ways. We do that, but we do we use that fund to then continue to work with uh, this uh, in such case. And now if you look at implementation, implementation will always come with say, uh, hey, where is your scaling? How do you scale it? We can't uh, give you money to only impact 35 women here and 45 women there. That is too small for us. We have to look at big numbers. So... Um, and then again, if you want to take it to the startup, it's the same uh, sort of idea, you know, the language. So f- the challenges then is about uh, the biggest trade-off is then you'll have to survive and figure out ways to survive within these existing uh, funding and economic models to sustain yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And that may come at huge costs, as we say, because it is then becomes, this becomes a very idealized pathway. And there is a lot of trade-ups that you have to do uh, in order to survive, sustain, um, and grow. So, correct, correct. yeah, yeah. So, in fact, that answers my uh, question, uh, which is the next one. Then, is this idea of uh, designing scalable in the consumeristic or uh, or should I say like a commoditized capitalist world? So I think it's it's clearly no, right? No, it's not. It's not. Yeah, but I yeah. but, but actually I would just like to add that uh, increasingly the ideas of a collective and a network is is something that is being very appealing uh, towards this. So I would like to bring about two things. So one is there's a social um, design uh, ju- design justice network started by somebody in MIT uh, in uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And that's a brilliant approach. And and with Design because we are a member of that network. Um, and then there is uh, my own colleague, Shreyas, uh, with Srishti and also with Design Beku. He uh, and, and, and he has brought together about hundreds of partners in uh, areas such as Bidar and Gulbarga. And he has started something called as a Living Lab Network. And the idea is you take what I've been doing with Maya, but you put it in a scale, um, a scale of, let's say, the region of Hyderabad, Karnataka, which is Bidar, Gulbarga, um, and uh, to some extent, Bijapur. And, and you, you bring together multiple sort of stakeholders and uh, you bring students and continuously explore how uh, local issues and um, uh, at an urban level, at, at a levels of survival and technology can um, continuously be thought about, tinkered about and changed locally. So 
again so there are alternative approaches uh, that are happening all around us at, at which but they're not really considered into the design world as we speak so we need to bring forward these and and look at these alternatives as well to see that um, how do we how do we uh, survive and sustain mm-hmm. cool uh, i'm going to add definitely like the links which you mentioned in the in the description and uh, i understand that um, like it's it's such different kind of work that uh, and and the, the huge body of work which you have been doing so far is also tough to uh, document in like a in like just one episode but uh, just to conclude uh, i have two questions mm-hmm. uh, which will probably uh, round this up completely is that uh, then what what sort of thoughts uh, do you have about education in design mm. i mean is it is it uh, is it a profession is it a practice is it a or is it something else which uh, you're thinking about yeah uh, that's a i mean clearly i mean clearly it, it is definitely not uh, from whatever the conversation we had so far it's clearly not uh, a linear approach where you just produce something at the end of it yeah. but it's an ongoing thing yeah so uh, our is our design education uh, geared towards that or is it uh, so any any in thoughts around that yeah no our education is not geared towards it you know um, design or otherwise um, you know because uh, a uh, it's um, it's expensive uh, even where i uh, wherever uh, sisti for example is is an on it is competitive pricing any other private design school is at the same level but it's still very expensive um mm. at the same time even if you go to idc uh, it's it may not be expensive but uh, it is still um oriented towards uh, a particular way of doing design which is uh, uh, which is essentially rooted in a capitalist view of the world where one person uh one or a small number of people produce and a larger number of people use even if even if the uh, it's about social causes even if it's about um working for not for profit sector it's the same uh practice of design that gets transferred um even though so uh so this i think uh, is very well suited for a two year or a four year design uh programs because you get to learn how to do this in a two year and then you go and fit yourself into a, a practice and a profession out there and you learn on along the way in in the in that particular profession the challenge that i faced with my students uh, and there are quite a few uh, is that um, when they experience what i've been talking about in real world um, and then they face sometimes a deep existential crisis about what do they want <laughs> to do uh because they they know that this is the this is the thing that that has absolute value uh but they have so much of um, educational loan or their their parents have taken uh, have paid for their education which is substantial amount of money so and my advice for all of them if, when they come in when they when they, uh, throughout the program and even after they <laughs> they graduate has always been you know we need to f- figure out our own ways to this you know we need to also not think of it as an individual problem it's a structural problem right and not feel guilty that oh we are not doing this and we are going to earn so we we need to we have to earn money yes we got to earn money because we you know 
all said and done, we live in a world which is driven by earning money and paying our EMIs, paying our bills and, you know, surviving in whatever way we can. But I hope that over time, um, we kind of try to change what is design as well as what is design education. So for me, one of the things that I, uh, I call for is that we need to dismantle the walls of a design uh, institution. Now, it may be provocative and it is intended to pro- provocative, but what I have been doing in a very small way is to take my studios out there in a way that there is mutual learning with whatever, whoever partners we work with. But increasingly, we need to uh, kind of really break apart those walls and uh, locate design education in the places where we want the design to happen. Mm-hmm. And that is a political uh, and a longer term kind of an approach where we need to align with similar sort of economic uh, practices of the local, of the uh, pr- where production is locally happening. And there are enough like maker shalas happening. Uh, people are making their own ways of living and all that. Um, and so I think there has to be some over time there will be, and I have this vague thing that that's where I, at least I will head towards. But right now, we all have to make you know earn some living <laughs> correct correct absolutely in fact uh, i'm going to listen to this again and i'm sure i'm already landed up in an existential crisis sort of a question because uh, it, in fact it's an it's an ongoing process for me as well because when i'm doing these interviews i am researching on certain people who are doing work at a really grassroots level and is it's sort of like real design uh, as yes. opposed to uh, making I mean, it's it's great that there are uh, interfaces so that you can make the drones fly and uh, reach some places. But there's also the other side of things. Uh, but yeah, to so, so so to conclude, if you can share few of the research areas uh, or like development areas in the in the field of design in the Indian context um, to to some of the fellow designers yeah. who are listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. And how can they probably go about exploring it? Yeah, yeah. I that's a great question because I just remembered that I uh, when I made notes for this, I wanted to bring this up. But one of my inspiration has been uh, Lakshmi Murthy. Uh, mm-hmm. She is she's a designer from NID, long time graduate, and she works with uh, an organization called as Jatan Sansan in Udaipur. And she just defend. She became now Doctor Lakshmi Murthy. She finished her PhD from IDCIT Bombay at the age of sixty three or wow. something like that. She's a grandmother. Mm-hmm. And she took almost 11 years to do her PhD. And uh, it has been an amazing journey. And for me, uh, she is an epitome of somebody who uh, who looks at design as a continuum, you know, as a living person. And uh, she has been working with, uh, uh, you know, rural and tribal areas uh, around Udaipur ever since she began her design career. Her mentor was MP Ranjan Sir. And she uh, tells me story. And I work closely with her because we have been working. You know, one of my dismantling the studio is to take the studio to her uh, area and work with her adolescent uh, uh, and my students too on sexual and reproductive health and imaginations of uh, technologies for menstrual hygiene. So it is definitely uh, one way that uh, we can think about is to look at uh, people uh, like Lakshmi and bring them more closer uh, to uh, and and look at their work and then study them and take inspiration from them. That's one for sure. 
Uh, this the the couple of then other things about strands of research that I or design uh, explorations that I think we can do to to further uh, this uh, way of working is to look at one of the things that I'm fascinated by is um, a history of design in India, right? So uh, D Source um, a platform has history of design fairly well documented with the you know the India Design Report by the Eames and then. The, the interviews of uh, the founding uh, people of IDC and NID and, and the first designers and the experts and all that. But that history uh, is is quintessentially the mainstream design history, you know. And in that sense, design has been brought to us post-independence um, by Eames and, and Corbusier and, um, you know, Louis Kahn and, and P.V. Doshi, Charles Corey in architecture and, and you know, Nat Karnisar and the Ulm School of Design. But I, uh, there is so many other alternative ways of production which can be termed as design but are not termed, maybe they're called as jugad, that are to be studied and documented and archived for our own understanding of how they work. Because it's not just about producing artifacts, but it's to understand the particular economies in which they are produced. For example, um, in Bidar and elsewhere in smaller towns, we have these aluminum metal um, uh, makers of buckets and uh, simple vessels and uh, trunks, and they are produced for the local market. They ha- they are all it's it's a complete local economy, and they're designed in many ways because they're designed for a particular way aesthetically too. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is the Lota example, right? So somewhere we seem to have lost the notion of that Lota. There has been mm-hmm. craft documentation, yes. Uh, but but the utilitarian uh, approaches to um, you know uh, product making artifact making change making has been lost somewhere and i think we need to explore that to understand not just uh, to understand how design can be a continuous process in alternative economies so that we can really think about it that's one um, kind of a area that i would say uh, i'm interested in um, the second is definitely imaginations of technology. Um, a lot of uh, technologies that we imagine and and design right now in India, even if they're designed in India, are coming from elsewhere. The, their imagination is usually coming from Silicon Valley. For example, the um, Arogya Setu app, just because it's right now fresh in my mind, the mm. notion of uh, community surveillance, you know, so that I get to know who in my uh, vicinity is... Um, has uh, is COVID positive or shows us some symptoms is inherently that imagination comes from a surveillance sort of a notion of elsewhere from a Silicon Valley, I would assume, where you collect your data, it is seamless, but you get to see each other's data or, you know. If it was rooted in a, a neighborhood, uh, let's say in, let's say Dharavi, for example, because yeah. I, that's also in news right now. I saw an a video about uh, what the police were trying to do but anyway if the if the notion of that technology if the imagination is rooted anywhere in in a neighborhood in india uh, we, then the, if the if that imagination would have been different correct, so, correct. so we need to also you know chart how these imaginations of technology what are these alternatives and I, I can't suggest a, uh, an approach to it, but definitely we need to do that. But I, with the same sort of, I would I would raise a, a, a warning here that easily it, it will become into, oh, glorious Indian past of, 
you know mythology or history of the guptas nandas and blah 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 i'm not talking about that i'm talking about alternative in the real sense for example the indigenous communities um there's we work with a group called as janastu uh, who are developing who have designed a lot of audio uh, uh, tools uh, as annotation tools for community radio and they work with indigenous nomadic mm-hmm. tribes and their world view is totally different about how they live with their sheep and and the world around them in the forests can we root our imaginations uh, can we look at imagination of human technology relationships in those which are more about living with the world around us and not against it is these are some broader thoughts which i which i am excited about which i would like to pursue as i go ahead so i just thought these may be something uh, we could collectively do it yeah absolutely absolutely i'm i'm i've taken a note of it and i'll definitely post that uh, in the show notes um i think uh, yeah this since we're talking about continuum and and this conversation i hope just just be uh, in in the back of the mind officially we can probably on that note we can just pause this for a moment but uh, it should be like a it should be like an ongoing thing anahat yes. nada as we say it uh yes. just keep, keep going on in the background uh i think uh, yeah thanks a lot navin uh, for giving your time and and it was really uh, wonderful talking to you lot of insights and lot of food for thought overall thank you keda i'm loving the project that you're doing it's it's a resource actually a huge resource thank you so much yeah. for doing this yeah thank you thank you and that's it from today's gyan session Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher, or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on AudioGyan.com. Till then, bye.